Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. never read through the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, you're in for a treat. I think it's a great book, and uh, we're going to study through it this summer. Some of you are like, what's the song? Men, you need to go read it, then you can thank me later. I'm not going to say any more about that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity (laughs) that you've given us to study your word. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us, Lord, to open the truth of uh, the text that you've provided. And Lord, I'm just thankful for this Sunday morning. I'm just thankful for these graduates for what they've accomplished and what they've done. Lord, I pray you would just speak very clearly through me this morning to challenge them, to remind them, Father, of your faithfulness and your strength in their lives. And Lord, I pray you do great things through them and great things this morning in our midst as we give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything you're going to do, Father, allow us through the power of your Spirit to be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is graduation Sunday, and so we want to welcome you. Any special guests we have, family, friends, maybe that have come from a long distance or come specifically to recognize the graduates, we want to say to you graduates, congratulations. Congratulations, moms and dads, because we understand that they're not here because they did this alone. We understand this is a team effort. We understand that there's a lot that goes into the process and a lot of things that have happened in the last many years, and so we are excited and celebrate all that's happened, and and in a lot of ways, this is kind of an ending for you guys, right? Feels like an ending at least because you've kind of accomplished a lot for the last 12 years. You've been in school and worked really hard and you studied for the exams and you've kind of gotten over the hump and now in your mind, it's over, right? You kind of feel like that right now and that's good. You should celebrate and you should be excited because high school is over. That's a fantastic accomplishment. Congratulations. But we also understand moms and dads that it's not really over, is it? In fact, it's kind of just beginning for you guys. And as much work as you've put in and all the effort you've given over the last many years to kind of get to where you are now, we're excited for where you've been. And and this morning is really about celebrating that. But I want to kind of maybe shift our focus just a little bit. And I want to say we want to celebrate everything you guys have done because we're very proud of you. Some incredible accomplishments. But I want to just kind of shift past that and move past that just a little bit and say, we're going to celebrate the past, but even more than that, we want to look with anticipation and excitement to the future. Because we all know there's kind of a bright career and a bright life and and kind of a big world that's waiting for you guys and we're excited for you to go as you begin to make these decisions about all the Lord wants to do for you and through you. And so here's what I want to think about this morning. It's very easy for us if we're not careful in our walk, whether you're a recent high school graduate or will be at the end of this week, I guess, right? Or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years and are still growing in your faith. We understand that, first of all, our walk can be difficult. We know that. We've been around long enough to understand that truth. 
But we also understand if we're not very careful that we'll begin to drift in our faith. Now, I really don't want anybody to raise their hand, but I I bet if I went around the, the congregation this morning and I said to you, listen, has there ever been a moment in your life where you drifted in your faith, maybe a little farther from the things of the Lord than you wanted to? You would probably all say yes. I would say yes, absolutely. Graduates, you guys have probably experienced that in your life. There are moments in our life sometimes when we drift And so I want to encourage you guys, especially over the next several years, because the next probably six to eight years in your life, if you haven't already heard this, are going to be critical for you. I mean, as important as these first 18 years have been and have kind of built a foundation for you, the next six to eight to ten, roughly somewhere in that range, you're going to make decisions now that literally will affect you for the rest of your life, right? We know that, don't we? Between now and and mid-20s, mid to late-20s, the decisions you make are a big deal. And so in those moments of great decision, you're going to come to many of them over the next many years. I don't want you to be far away from the Lord when you make them. Because if you really want to make mistakes in your life, and this is true for everybody, if you really want to make mistakes in your life and you want to take wrong paths, then make decisions when you're separated from the Lord. You want to kind of wreck things and end up in 30 years in a place you don't really want to be? Then make a decision when you're not close to the Lord. Drift from the Lord and then make decisions kind of in this place. But if you really want to have the Lord work in your life, guys, if you want to make wise, holy, godly decisions that you'll look back on decades, that your children and your grandchildren will look back on and see the faithfulness in your life and be thankful that they've got a mama or daddy or a grandmama or a granddaddy that were faithful to the Lord. If you want to be that kind of person, then you make decisions when you're right in the midst of God's will. And so I want to think this morning how we persevere and how we make wise choices for the Lord. The book of Hebrews is fantastic for this idea because it's filled with warnings for us. In fact, if you were to read through the first 11 chapters of the book of Hebrews, you would understand that the writer wants us to, first of all, understand the, the supremacy and the superiority of Christ. We see that. But there's warning after warning. In fact, you can kind of read, if you were to study the book of Hebrews, you'd read commentaries and books about the book of Hebrew, and there are several what they call warning passages. And the warning passages are geared to remind us to not drift in our faith. And the the beautiful thing about Scripture and the thing that I just love with all my heart about God's Word is it applies not only to a little child, not only to a graduate, not only to a middle-aged adult, not only to all of us. Because we all go through these issues. And so we see in Hebrews this warning not to drift, to be reminded in our struggles, and as we make decisions, to press on for the Lord. And so we're going to look at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen. You can follow along in the scripture with us as well. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, and again, they always say, what's the therefore, therefore? All that we've seen, if you were to read through the first 11 chapters of Hebrews, all the warnings and the reminders of the Lord and the call to run the race and to persevere. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, there's a lot of stuff in here, but I want to draw out kind of, I think, three big truths, three conclusions we can draw and begin to apply to our lives. Whether you're a graduate or whether you've been a believer for six or eight decades, this truth applies to your life. Here's truth number one. We can persevere in our faith by looking at the example of others. I love this verse, the beginning of verse 1, especially on a graduation Sunday, because here's what the Word of God says. Pull verse 1 up again, if you would, for me, please. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, this is referencing Hebrews chapter 11. If you were to go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of called the hall of faith, not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith because it's filled literally with all of these people that kind of accomplished great things for the Lord, kind of the heavyweights of Scripture. So if you were to read through Hebrews, Hebrews 11, you'd see Noah, Abraham, Moses, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, on and on the list goes. It's kind of like a who's who. Right? You guys know the who's who? Y'all seen that and some of you are part of that? This is the who's who of faith. These people testify to the faithfulness of the Lord in their lives. Joseph in the Old Testament, Genesis, we just finished studying. Joseph is an example of this. Joseph was successful and persevered not because of his own strength, not because of his own intelligence, his own ability. He persevered and accomplished great things because the Lord worked through him. And so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, we need to persevere because we are surrounded by a great group of witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses. We can learn from their example in our lives. Now, we understand, again, I said I love this verse on this morning because we understand that graduation isn't an individual deal, right? I mean, y'all did the the work in the classroom, y'all did the studying and made the grades, but mom and dad and grandma and granddaddy kind of got you to this point. And so I think it's important for us to understand and kind of remember, at least on this Sunday morning especially, all the people in our lives that got us to the point that we are now. Now, I know this day is about celebration and about being thankful, but I think you guys ought to just kind of remember in your minds and maybe make a point at some point today to thank your mama and daddy, to thank grandmama and granddaddy. And you guys know this, and I'm becoming more and more convinced the older I get. I think that one of the greatest gifts we can receive in our lives are godly influences around us and parents godly grandmamas and granddaddies, aunts and uncles. We think about all the people that have kind of poured into our lives, Sunday school teachers, pastors, people that have kind of brought us and helped us to get to the point we are today. I think about growing up as a kid. I grew up in, in, in Fayetteville, Flat Creek Baptist Church. Brother Bill Priester was my pastor. And Brother Bill, I, I was saved under his preaching. I was baptized in that church when I was nine years old. And Brother Bill, I've told this story before, but Brother Bill really is the reason I know, I know the books of the Bible in order from beginning. I've been able to say them since I was six years old. And I did that because Brother Bill, when I was a kid, challenged every kid in the church to get up in front of the church and say the books of the Bible in order. And if he did, he'd give us two whole dollars. Two. Now, in the late 1970s, that was a lot of money. It's not a very much money anymore. 
But so what did I do as a six-year-old kid? I wanted two dollars, so I learned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first, six, seven. A whole thing. I can do them all. I do them because I learned them when I was six years old. Why? Because Brother Bill was faithful. I was surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I think about Preacher Max at this church. I think about all that he did and all he accomplished and all the people he poured in. I'm just curious. This is this will be interesting. Where are you, Stacy? Oh, you're in the back. You you watch. I don't know if Sharon's in here yet or not, or any of the family. Okay. If you were baptized or had a family member baptized by Max McCord, just raise your hand. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, thank you. What, what a legacy. That's pretty incredible. That's the faithfulness of the Lord. You see that? We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. These people have come before us. These people have poured into us. And so one of the reasons we can be faithful One of the reasons we can persevere, one of the reasons you guys are going to do great in college and make wise choices is because you've got people that not only have surrounded you, but continue to surround you. We're going to continue to pray for them, aren't we, congregation? We're going to continue to love on them. We're going to continue to help them make wise choices. And I'll say, and I know any of these other people would say, if at any point in the future, if we can help you, we will. If you want to come and talk. If you just need to kind of cry on somebody's shoulder, if you want to have prayer with somebody, any of us, I will. We'll stand with you. We want to surround you. You say, why is that so important? Because here's what you need to learn. Here's what you guys have learned some, but the older you get, the the more it becomes clear in your heart and your mind. We need this. We need to surround these kids. Why? Because life isn't easy, is it? And kind of the older we get, maybe the more we begin to recognize that. And so look what the writer of Hebrews says. He understands very clearly. Pull up verse 1 again. Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why would he write this? Why would he say throw off the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles? Because he realizes, guess what? There are things that are going to hinder us. There's sin that's going to entangle us. And we've got to throw those things off and get rid of those things if we're going to accomplish great things for the Lord. Now you guys guys probably already know this, but I just want to remind you of just a real clear biblical truth. You You need to get this if you don't already know this. The devil would like nothing more in the next four to five years of your life to destroy your faith. That's what the devil wants to do. And and I say that because I've seen it. And I say that because I've had conversations with adults who've sat in my office and have said to me, I've been out of college years, but there was one professor that questioned my faith and I've never quite gotten over it. And so you guys kind of need to you know, prepare your hearts a little bit and prepare your minds and be ready. The enemy is going to attack you and the devil is going to do everything he can to destroy your faith. He's going to tell you it's fake, it's not real, the Bible's not accurate, it can't be trusted, it's full of fables, it contradicts itself, on and on the list because you're going to hear all these things. And you need to remember in those moments to persevere and to throw off the things that hinder and entangle and Press on to do the work of the Lord in your life. Because I want to promise you, and you call me if you have the question. There are answers to all these questions. The Bible is absolutely accurate. Your faith is real. And God wants to do great things through you, but the devil is attacking. Listen to what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. I want you to listen to how the enemy is described. Be sober and on alert, right? The sense of alert. I'm just kind of, I'm ready. 
Why? Because your adversary, the devil, listen to the imagery here, prowls around. He's walking around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Did you guys know that the enemy's not passive? Did you know that? Did you know that he's active? And did you know that he's active in such a way that he wants to destroy you and steal from you everything you've got? Did you know that? He doesn't just want to confuse you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are the words that Scripture uses to speak of the enemy. Steal, kill, and destroy. So the adversary is active and wants to defeat us. And so we've got to be careful because sin in our lives, this is what the Scripture says, we need to press on, throwing off the things that hinder us, the sin that so easily ensnares. Why? Because sin is enticing to us. It looks good, doesn't it? You can kind of think about people in your life that you've known that have kind of made some poor choices and have kind of ended up in a place maybe they didn't want to end up when they started. And I got a feeling when they, when they first kind of walked down that path, they never believed they would end up way down here. They, they never thought, you know, if, if I do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck my life. I'm going to lose my marriage. Um... I'm going to lose my job and all my credibility and my character. But I'm happy to do that. That's kind of the life I want to live. That's who I want to be known as. Nobody starts like that, do they? They think, I'm going to make this one little poor choice, but nobody's going to find out. And I'll fix it tomorrow. And then they've kind of made the first choice. Guess what? The second choice is a little bit easier. And the third choice is a little bit easier. And before long, they're way over here, and they look back at who they used to be, and they can't figure out how they got here. Sin ensnares us it entangles us it entices us we've got to persevere we've got to maintain who we are in christ we've got to recognize that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and guys rely on those people in your life rely on them to help you you say it's great so i need to persevere i need to keep pushing forward i need to seek the lord i need to recognize that this is who god's called me to be but here's what you're thinking i need a strategy for this right we need strategies We can't just say we're going to persevere. We can't just say we want to do right. What's our strategy for persevering? Pull up verse 2. Here's the strategy. If we're going to persevere, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's truth number two. We can persevere in our faith by fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. If you want to figure out how to persevere in your faith, you fix your eyes on Christ. Now, the Bible gives us some some very interesting reasons here. It kind of gives us the, the how. How do we persevere? We fix our eyes on Christ. We see that. But why do we persevere? Well, look what the Bible says there in verse 2. Bring that back up. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Right? We, we, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Did, did you guys know that the faith you have in Christ was his idea first? Did you know that? Did y'all know that? Did you know salvation was God's idea? Did you know good gifts and joy and hope and pleasure in this world, those were all God's idea? Did you know he created us and designed us and put us here so we could take pleasure in bringing him glory? That's kind of the model, that's how it works. He's not only the author, he didn't 
just come up with it. It wasn't just his idea, but he perfects our faith. He's the author and the perfecter. Now, you guys, I'm just looking, and I think every one of y'all are involved in extracurricular activities. I can go down and name sports or, or music or drama, all sorts of things that y'all are involved in, band. And I got a feeling you guys could talk about perfection within your kind of realm, what you do. If it's sports or it's playing an instrument, or you would say, well, the way I get better is what? I just practice. I have to focus on that particular thing. If it's hitting a baseball, you got to get in the batting cage. If it's playing a song, you got to get the instrument out and play it. If it's dance, you got to dance. If it's singing, you got to sing. Whatever it looks like for you guys, whatever you're trying to get better at, whatever you're trying to perfect, you understand the only way that takes place is by kind of fixing your eyes on that thing you want to perfect and just keeping at it and keeping at it and keeping at it. It's been said that the difference between kind of the, the good to great model, these people that are, that are kind of superstars versus the ones that are just really good, they say it takes 10,000 hours of practice. Have y'all heard that? Have y'all seen that before? You start thinking about how many days that is and how long it takes you to get to that point. You don't get to that point by not fixing your eyes on that thing that's important. So we, we get that kind of in our realm and what we're used to. You understand the importance of practice and working hard and, and, and preparing for all the things that you want to do in this life. But sometimes we miss it with our faith, don't we? We, we miss the idea of, of fixing our eyes on Christ, of focusing on him. You say, why don't we focus on him? Well, he's the author and perfecter of our faith, but he also, look at the middle part of verse two, pull that up again. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now, we live in a world in, in this century and in, in this kind of culture that the, the cross and crucifixion for us is just kind of foreign. I mean, think about it like this, and, and, and I, I've done this, so I'm not, I'm not saying anything against it. There's nothing wrong with this. This is beautiful. We, we have it here. But we put up a cross as a symbol of our faith. We wear a cross on our necklace. We have rings. There, there are all sorts of ways that we display the cross. And the point is we're displaying the cross of Christ, his accomplishment. We have, by the way, just a, just a, a clarification, we have an empty cross because he died and was resurrected and rose again. He's not still on the cross. And there's a distinction there. We serve a God who's risen. But think about it like this. The first century believers, the second century believers, they hated the cross. Why? Because it was an, kind of a picture and a reminder of a brutal, torturous execution. We miss that. We, we miss how brutal that was and how horrific that was and how the first century believers really didn't want to have anything to do with the cross. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ endured the cross. He didn't only endure it, he endured it with joy. You see that word? What would lead someone to give up their life in the most brutal fashion imaginable and do it with joy? He did it because he loved you. You understand that, right? <laughs> this is one of those concepts, I think our minds, let me just speak for myself. This is one of those concepts, my mind is too finite to understand, I just can't get that. This side of eternity, I don't think I'll ever understand the idea of joyfully sacrificing my life in a torturous manner, simply because I love somebody who oftentimes hates me in the way that he acts. 
Do we fix our eyes on that? And we say, you know, if he was willing to do that for me, then I ought to be willing to stand up for him. If he's willing to do that for me, I ought to be willing to give him time alone every day in the Word. I ought to be willing to give him time in prayer. I ought to be willing to share my faith with other people and tell somebody else what he did for me and how my life is drastically different because of his sacrifice. See, as we begin to think about the sacrifice that Christ made for us and all that he did for us, we think about all that he's called us to do and all that he's called us to be, we start asking ourselves different questions. Instead of simply asking ourselves questions, graduates like, what, what should my career be? Who am I supposed to marry? What job can get me the most money? And those are questions that we have to ask. We have to think about them. But those questions ought to be secondary to this question. What is God calling me to do? Who does God want me to be? I just wish we could, I wish sometimes we could, and I wish this had been the case when I was younger. I wish the people that have the experience could download into the hearts of the younger to tell them, and you should tell them verbally if you haven't, by the way, men and women of our congregation, seasoned veterans of the faith, you should tell them there's no joy greater than serving the Lord. You should tell them that. There's no peace like the peace of Christ. And yet the problem we have is we get really focused. We don't want to focus on the things of the world. We want to focus on the things of the world, don't we? And the glitz and the glamour and the material and all the things that the world entices us with that we think are just so great and so important and we fix our eyes on the things of the world and we take our focus off the things of Christ. But see, we, we could probably spend the rest of the afternoon and probably the rest of the week telling stories of people that we know that have taken their eyes off Christ and years and years and years later, they kind of wake up. You ever had the conversation with that person and they say, you know what, I've just kind of spent the first 30, 40, 50, 60 years of my life not really focusing on the Lord and I've wasted all this time. And the sooner you guys can figure out God's plan for your life, the sooner you can just allow him to speak through you and you can just do what he's called you to do, the sooner you're going to find joy and victory and perseverance. But you're only going to do it if you're focused on the things of the Lord. Now let's wind this thing down. Verse 3. So consider, right, because of the great cloud of witnesses, because of Christ, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, right? The death on the cross, consider that. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here's truth number three. We can persevere in our faith by not growing weary. Now, younger generations, graduates and below college age, you're probably thinking, I've never grown weary. <laughs> You don't understand being tired yet, do you, right? The older you get, maybe I should just speak, the older I get, sometimes the more tired I feel. The body doesn't do what it used to do. You know, you think you can do things until you try and you recognize I'm pretty weary. I can't really do this like I thought I could do. That happens in our faith too. Did you know that? Because you know, you can grow, you can kind of grow weary in your faith if, if you're not careful. And if we don't kind of keep our, our focus on the things of the Lord, sometimes we grow weary and sometimes we're not able to kind of persevere. And so here, here's the encouragement to you guys. Don't ever get to this place in your life where you allow yourself to, to slack off from the things of the Lord. 
Because it's going to be easy to show up at school and get excited about college, and get involved in all the activities and, and loving college life. And I, by the way, I hope college, or if you guys are going to go right into the career, the workforce, I pray that's an, just an incredible experience for you. But I pray that in the midst of that, you would just continue to persevere and continue to hope and continue to trust. Because I want to speak just for a second about this idea of growing weary. I, I just want to prepare you guys. And you probably already know this, and, and I hope you don't think that I'm just kind of telling you things you've already heard before, but there's going to come a moment in your life in the next few years you're going to grow weary in your faith. There's going to come a moment when you struggle. There's going to come a moment when you question and you're not sure if it's real and you're not sure if God really is speaking through his word and, and you're not sure what he wants to do through you. And I, I just want to encourage you in those moments with everything you can just to find truth in God's word, just to spend great amounts of time in prayer and study and allow him as the world is screaming at you untruths, allow his word just to soak into your hearts and find joy and peace only in him. Because difficult times are coming. <laughs> Challenges are coming. And the next many years for you are going to, literally, I'm not overstating this, are going to make or break the rest of your life. And your mom and dads have poured blood, sweat, and tears into your life. And nothing would bring them more joy than to live out the remainder of their life on this earth looking at you as a picture of God's grace and God's faithfulness and God at work. So you keep your eyes on Christ. You don't ever lose heart. You keep growing in your walk and you allow him to do great things through you for his honor and glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's so clear and compelling and understandable, Lord. And, and you know very well that we will lose faith if we're not very careful. You know that we'll drift, Lord. You know that perseverance is, is hard sometimes. And so I pray for these graduates. I pray you would strengthen and encourage them. And for the next little while as we wind this service down, as we pray for them, Father, give us words to say prayers to pray for their faithfulness and for their strength. And then, Father, I pray you would use them to do great things for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to have a time of invitation. We always want to offer invitation, prayer, and then we're going to have a time for prayer for the graduates. So if you want to pray for them, hold off on that. We're going to do that here at the end. This is a time of invitation for you to respond to the message of Jesus Christ right now as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.